0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Are you trying to knock your next race out of the park? Hoping to improve your marathon by 10, 20, 30 minutes or more? Then you're going to love listening to this interview with 2.11 marathoner Nick Arsenanga. Nick isn't satisfied with his time, and he doesn't want to just improve by a few seconds. Each race he runs, Nick is determined to put his stamp on the American distance running scene with a time in the 2.07 or 2.08 range going for broke in a marathon definitely takes some courage, and Nick is on our show today to discuss exactly how he plans to do it. Here are some of the topics that we'll cover. How Nick stayed confident after a stagnant marathon's where he didn't improve as much as his training and fitness indicated. Some of the workouts that he struggles in when trying to make this big jump and how he's learned to roll with the punches. How he's changing up his training this segment to continually teach his legs to push through the fatigue and handle the late miles of a marathon. And finally, Nick has run almost all the major marathons in the United States, including Boston, New York, and Chicago. He's going to talk exactly how he adapts his training to prepare for the specific demands of the course and how he deals with the pressure of such big races. It's always great when we can learn from some of the best elite runners in the United States, and Nick doesn't disappoint in this interview. As always, if you want to review some of the resources that we mentioned on this podcast, you can visit it at runnersconnect.net slash RC 17. Without further ado, let's get the show started. Hi Nick, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to enter uh, to do our interview today and-, and teach our audience about marathon training and how you approach the race. and um, thanks for having us today.
1: Oh well, thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: No problem. Um, so to get started for our guests who may not know who you are, um, let's talk about your background and give us a general sense of you know kind of where you where you came from running wise, um, how your PRs progressed, and kind of where you're at now with training.
1: Um, well, uh, full background. I started running in high school in uh, Southern California, and then earned a scholarship to uh, Cal State Fullerton out there, and then um, pretty aggressively. In- Increased my uh, training distance from uh, 800 meters to 5K in college, and then uh, after college, I dabbled in different distances—10Ks, uh, half marathons, and eventually marathon—and uh, came to realize that I was going to be a marathoner for the rest of my life. After that, <laughs> shortly after my first marathon, I joined uh, the Hanson's group in uh, Michigan. And
0: what was your what was your first marathon? Just to give people an idea uh, of where you come from.
1: Uh, Chicago in 2006, and uh, ran 2:16 there. Okay. And uh so yeah, after that I moved to Michigan, started training with uh, Hanson's team um out in Rochester Hills and stayed with them for three years before relocating to uh Flagstaff, Arizona to try uh see, try and see how altitude worked for me and uh since moving out here dropped my PR to from two thirteen uh while Hanson's to two eleven now currently.
0: Awesome. So I mean you've had a pretty pretty significant progression from, you know, when you got started in 2006 to now, which is, you know, just the start of 2013. Um, do you feel like things have been pretty linear for you, or do you feel like there were some some times along the way where you feel like you were pushing it and thought you were going to break through that next level and it hadn't happened yet?
1: Um, my first, uh, well, my second and third marathons, they were, like, both right around the same time that I ran my first marathon, so it was very close and, like, not, like, I ran, like, a 30-second PR and here or there, and just, like, it's like, okay, I kind of feel like I've stagnated, and hoping that I'm not a 2.16 marathoner for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and hoping that I can actually get to the next level, and finally got to um, my fourth one, and, like, things just clicked, and I had the a great build-up, and just perfect race, and came out with, like, a huge breakthrough there, and ran a 2.13 in New York in 2009, and then after that, just been basically shooting for the moon pretty much in each of my latest marathon, just trying to run uh, a ridiculously fast time with uh, 2.09 or faster.
0: Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a second, but um, going back to, you know, kind of some of the struggles you sort of had, or not really struggles, but, um, you know, when you felt like you were stagnating, did you, were you having good training segments, and then for some reason it wasn't coming through in, on race day, or was it not getting the training that you thought you were hoping for, and then, you know, running probably what you were capable of on the day?
1: Yeah, it was first couple of them where I stagnated it was like introducing into a new uh, training system like moving to Michigan trying to figure out what the actual training for a marathon entailed and mm-hmm. probably uh went into it a little aggressive and was tired on the actual race day and then the next time around I was injured through half the uh, uh marathon build up and then uh once I got around to um you know, being in shape by the race day, it was just, okay, i in fit enough to really run a good race, but not really run outstanding. But mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's been the process of, like, the training just kind of not really complementing how the race can go.
0: Right, right. I mean, that happens to, and the reason I asked that question is because it happens to a lot of athletes, and, you know, even athletes that I work with, where, you know, the the training leading up to the race goes fantastic. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't, that fitness doesn't translate on race day. And, and obviously when you're running 26 miles, there's a lot that can go wrong. That's outside your fitness level. Um, And so when you were having those, you know, when, when things didn't go perfect, when you felt like you might be in that 216, you know, that maybe that's where your potential was. um, How did you motivate yourself through that and, and, you know, prevent yourself from thinking like, well, this is it. Um, Did you ever get down? And then how did you get through it?
1: Um... For a lot of times, I just, like, um, well, being able to train with a lot of the guys uh, in Michigan. Like, one of my teammates was Brian Sell. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd be able to, like, you know, compete with him in workouts and a lot of the other guys who have run uh, 215 or faster marathons. And so just using, being able to train with guys who are at that level and being, like, gave me a little bit more confidence that I can actually be there if I can put it together on race day. So, like, I always use that or use that as motivation just like okay just keep plugging it away and like putting in like the training like lots of high mileage weeks and basically breakthrough will hopefully eventually come
0: Mm -hmm. no that makes a lot of sense um now going forward to what your kind of your goals and aspirations are now which is kind of you're shooting for the stars and really trying to knock a home run with most of the races that you run um obviously there's a inherent danger in that or i shouldn't say danger but you know, there's mm-hmm. the, the chance that if things don't go well, it's going to be a, be a tough day and, and you're not going to run anywhere near uh, a PR or, you know, where you may have been able to improve by 30, 30 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you approach that from a uh, from a mental side of things, knowing that going into the race that it could be a potential disaster?
1: Uh, well, just looking historically, like my first breakthrough race was New York and I ran like perfectly even splits and wasn't really shooting for a huge home run at that and then the race after that I was like okay just want to go in this race run with the Kenyans and the Ethiopians as long as possible like and I only made it through 10 miles at that time but I was able to like you know recover and run my own uh, pace after that and like I found out after that race like I can go as hard as I can or almost as hard as I can early on the race and when I hit that wall I'm not going to completely blow up I just like fade like or fifteen seconds per mile, and was able to like you know salvage a good race out of it. So yeah, to most races, I'm uh, aware of that. That when I hit the wall, I'm not going to be totally like just on the ground, like about to uh, die or whatever. I'm just going to be able to have to struggle through and you know give myself that last ten k and survive.
0: Yeah, I mean that's good to know about yourself. Obviously, when you when you're attempting you know stuff like that. Um, you know when when working with your coach like have you guys talked about how um how you approach that in training where you're really pushing the limit all the time um because I know it's a little bit different than kind of going in and saying you know my plan is to run you know within my fitness level and, and not that you're not training at that level but um you know I, I i feel like that would be something that's kind of difficult and scary to do um from a training perspective
1: yeah it's tough it's tough in theory to basically like Plan the training schedule leading up into a race where you want to basically be fatiguing yourself day after day, and like um, going into this next uh, marathon, we're looking at like going like back to back weeks of doing like 28 mile runs where I'm just running myself basically depleting my uh, fueling system to the ground, and then um, a couple days after that, going into a workout where I run a good steady pace and a tempo, and then all of a sudden I need to change gears and just run faster so I can basically get to a point where when I'm feeling tired, I need to just, I should be able to, you know, push through and get to, like, a faster speed rather than, you know, stagnating and slowing down.
0: No, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Um, have you tried that approach before? Is this something new that you're doing leading up to your next race?
1: I tried it a couple times. I tried it going into uh, Worlds uh, last summer, mm-hmm. but I ended up being hurt going into that one, and then uh, tried it again for a couple other my marathons that I've done, and uh, the race just... Well, the day of the race just had bad luck and you know bad weather. So right. Really-
0: so, so to give users a a background, you ran uh, Calendar National this year in December, which uh, I wasn't there, but it was crazy winds and rain. And
1: yeah, it was raining the, pretty much the entire time. It had thirty mile an hour headwinds, and uh, before that, like I was supposed to do New York City Marathon, and that was you know canceled due to the hurricane. Mm-hmm. So just a couple you know bad luck days sort of thing, which happens, you know, you can't really have right. the best deal uh, all the time.
0: Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, obviously, uh, we're excited as, as an audience to follow you, um, you know, and you said you're running, uh, before this interview, we talked and you said you're running LA in March, right?
1: Uh, that's the plan right now. I haven't uh, committed to it fully, but uh, mentally I've committed, just uh, huh. not, not on paper.
0: All right. Well, we'll make sure how our, everybody that's listening to this podcast, I'm sure they'll be big fans now and, and uh, watching to see how it goes and hopefully it doesn't add uh, too much pressure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of how you approach you know your training segments. We got into it a little bit, but um, how many weeks do you spend you know in i guess what some coaches would call like the marathon specific segment where you know everything is is marathon based
1: I've spent as few as eight weeks like just solely focused on the marathon and mm-hmm. as many as sixteen just leading up into it just um where I'm going after like the hard tempo type runs and long runs mm-hmm. sort of thing um Mostly that's just kind of fit into how my schedule has looked leading up into that race. Like Sometimes I plan a race six months in advance and like I'll just do a lot of base beforehand and then start getting into the marathon specific like 13 weeks out. 13 is the ideal range for myself. So that's what I you like,
0: it. 13 weeks is pretty good?
1: Yeah, it, it's long enough that you could actually get a good amount of training in and have some uh, ebb and flow if you're having a bad week here or there. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's not long enough that you feel like you're going to be overtraining at all.
0: Right, right. Um, Speaking of, how do you deal with that, that ebb and flow is really something that um, the athletes that I work with struggle with. And I mean, I think every athlete struggles when they have bad workouts or or a series of bad workouts. Um, How do you handle that ebb and flow when you're going through a weak period where it's just like, you feel like crap all the time?
1: Um, Historically, well, five, six years ago, I would just train through it just like gung-ho, like you know, well, my schedule says I have to run 120 miles this week, so I'm going to run 120 miles and I'm going to mm-hmm. run it hard. But um, lately I've been, like, okay, being very conscientious conscientious about it and, like, okay, if I need a day off, i got to take this day and just rest, recover, you know, sleep pretty much until yeah. noon if I need to. And, um, yeah, just basically I, I learned that I need to be able to run by feel. So a lot of days I'm just going out there and just putting in the time, putting in the miles, not really, like, Fatiguing myself as much as I could be, so mm-hmm. just you know, day after one day after another, just have, let it build and let myself recover.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've learned a lot about your body and how it's responsive training, and and more importantly, learning to listen to it. Because I think you know, as as young athletes, we all can can understand when our body's telling us to take a day off, but we don't necessarily have that courage to actually do it. You know, mm-hmm. we're always thinking, got to get fitter, got to get fitter, and, and obviously, as you've learned, sometimes you get fitter by taking that rest day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um so what are some of your your key workouts? I mean you know we talked a couple of them just uh, briefly earlier um that you've done in your marathon segment both both workouts and long runs that you feel like when you do that you're you're kind of ready to go
1: um so long runs like typically like if I put in like a good like uh typically my week would look like a hundred and twenty hundred and forty mile weeks
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, training for a marathon and I'd end the week with a, uh, you know, 24 to 28 mile long run. And usually I come out of that feeling pretty fatigued. But after a week of letting that sink into my legs and into my body, I feel like I'm like, just ready to go and can like, you know, kill a workout just basically like, like I'm on fire. Like mm-hmm. that gives me a lot of confidence. And then in terms of workouts, I've always liked the long tempo runs where it's like between 12 and, you know, 18 miles of just trying to hit like close to the marathon pace. I'm, Training the altitude right now at 7,000 feet, so mm-hmm. got I can't really run marathon pace the entire time or else I'll just beat my body down too much, right. so be about 10 to 15 seconds slower.
0: Okay. Um, so on those long runs, those those really long runs you like doing, are you kind of pushing the pace or are you just getting out there, putting time on your feet, enjoying the scenery?
1: I would say keeping it honest. like uh, I usually start off running like seven minute miles, which for me is like a... Pretty easy pace, and then by the end of it, I just happen to be, you know, my um, I guess running the comedy You say would just uh, get to the point where it's just naturally running like close to six minute miles, and mm-hmm. just that's getting through it at the end.
0: Right, right. No, it's good to know. I mean, I think um, I mean I think it's a great approach in terms of you know balancing everything that you're you're going out there. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that I was specifically interested in talking with you about is you've run. Pretty much all the marathon majors, or at least the U.S. marathon majors, with Chicago, New York, um, and then some of the other big ones, Olympic Trials, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of those things, a lot of those um, courses and and races themselves, really the course comes into play in terms of how you're going to uh, approach the race. You know what pace you're going to run and those types of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And and something that I've felt like you've always been really good at, and and I know we did a lot of this at the Hanson's Project, was um, really adapting and gearing your training to the specifics of a course. Um, right. can you talk about kind of how you mold your training and, and when do you step back and start thinking okay i'm running I know i'm running this race and and how do you set up your training to to make sure that you're training to the to the course profile
1: uh well, a lot of the courses that I have in like a Boston and New York are pretty hilly courses and the the last one I did with c i m is uh net downhill but it rolls pretty good mm-hmm. and even l a the one i am looking to do is similar to c i m where it rolls quite a bit, but it's net downhill so I'm looking into it like i'm Looking at like uh, where I can train in Flagstaff, and one of the best places I have is right outside my door, just called like Mary Road, and it go like 20 miles straight of just like up and down, and like it's net downhill overall, but it's very similar to how the course is typically run. So I do a lot of my training out on there, like the harder long tempos. So um, probably looking like well during the 13-week training segment, like uh, 10 weeks out, just starting to get a couple tempos a a week just out there and just Making a variety. Some days I'll just go back and forth over the hilly section. Some days I'll just run straight out and Mm -hmm. get downhill then uphill. Um, And it all just depends on whether like um, I feel I need more like challenge or if I need more like uphill strength or downhill strength at that point.
0: Um, With with Boston, Boston specifically, uh, you know, one of the big things with Boston is that downhill section, the first part, where it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. easy to go out too fast and it really beats up your quads. Um, what kind of specific workouts did you do for Boston? Because I think you were still with the Hansons when you ran Boston, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what kind of specific workouts did you guys do to prepare your legs for that? And, and when did they come in the training segment?
1: Um, I think it was probably about eight weeks out or maybe six weeks out before the race. And we would just go out, uh, drive out to find a nice long downhill. It's like a mile, mile and a half. And we just do repeats downhill, just run it as hard as we could downhill, just try to beat up the quads and get that... You know, fatigue is one thing about Boston. Like that first 13 miles, like you're going downhill quite a bit. So people don't realize that they're thinking that like, Heartbreak Hill is coming up, so they're getting worried that they're, you know, gonna be dying because of the hill. But really, their quads are getting stretched out and like torn apart because of the uh downhills before yeah. that. So we would do mile repeats, mile and a half repeats, as hard as we can, and just drive back to the top and you know get prepared that way.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting way to do it. Um, I know um, some people use, and I, I'm curious if you've ever done it. But use treadmills to basically they elevate the back of the treadmill, and then that okay. simulates running the downhill. Have you ever tried any of that, or?
1: I've never tried actually. I, I don't know if I seen a treadmill that had the uh, back that incline. Yeah, it, usually
0: you just put it up on blocks. Um, uh, I know uh, you know. Do you, you remember Marty? Correct. Yeah, from Hanson's. I know he did that once at uh, at Lifetime Fitness, and and I can remember him doing it. And and you know Marty, so it was it was yeah. it was comical to watch.
1: <laughs> that was pretty funny. I never realized that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a, a unique way to do it. That's for sure. But I think it's mm-hmm. probably pretty. I mean, obviously you're in a great place to train. You're in Flagstaff, which has you know those rolling hills, some downhills. Um, when you're with the Hanson's, you had the. Uh, the opportunity for the coaches to drive you back up the hill and stuff. But for people that don't, you know, maybe it's a good thing to try. I know you I know you can buy special blocks for the treadmill that you can actually yeah. put like they um they're made for the pegs with a treadmill mm. stands on. So okay. something people can look into if they they really want to do that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um so out of I know actually you never you, you didn't get a chance to run the New York City course proper. Or no you have. You've run um yeah, I, have. Yes. I I was yeah. thinking you're trying. Um, what was your favorite course out of out of the big, I guess, three in the U.S., Boston, New York, and um, uh, Chicago?
1: Um, right now it's uh, New York just because I had, like, um, when I raced there the last time, it was, like, I executed it perfectly, and it was, like, one of the, my best uh, days out there just running, you know, pretty aggressive for myself at the time and just coming in and finished uh, eighth place overall in the race, so I was very happy with the race and just, you know, even though there's long hills and I suffered quite a bit, I still came out of it feeling like that. You know, was my favorite course.
0: Yeah. What were some of the unique challenges that you felt in New York that either you were really prepared for and, and you worked on beforehand, or maybe perhaps that surprised you when you went to the course and, and kind of were like, "Oh wow, I didn't really expect that."
1: Um, one of the worst moments I felt was uh, at mile 23. You start up at this mile-long hill going to Central Park, and it's just. Seems like forever. I'm looking like it looked like a mountain at that point, and they could see like a, a small image. Uh, I think it was Jason Lemkul and Abdi Abdirahman. Like it seemed like they were a mile ahead of me at the top of this thing. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to chase these guys down. It was just felt like a like people would feel at Heartbreak Hill. It's like oh my heart just dropped. Like I can't believe that I have to do this. <laughs> 20, one more hill, but um I was definitely prepared for it. Like I uh, prepared for that one better than I did most of the marathons, and just uh, that's. Thanks to like, the Hanson training system, they uh, were smart enough Like they took us out there beforehand so we knew how the course was and uh, we were able to view it and get a good simulation back in uh, where we were living in Rochester, just being able to you know, get some long uphills.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, know the, I know the Hansons obviously do. They, they have what they call the simulator workout, which is where they run 26.2K on a course that roughly um, simulates the course that they'll be running on. Um, do yeah. you do do you still do something like that as as specific as they do with the Han- at the Hansons?
1: Not as specifically like um, we'll do like fifteen to eighteen mile tempo runs. And now with my new coach, it's going to be a kind of a broken up tempo run where mm-hmm. it run like twenty five to thirty minutes and then do like a faster section where it's a uh, kind of a trying to pace change type thing and then go back mm-hmm. to another twenty five to thirty minutes of uh, you know tempo run. But nothing where it's going to be simulating the course too much. Just like I said on a the road like mirror road just go out and back on uh, the hilly sections there
0: right right that makes sense um actually let's talk about that workout that you just that you just talked about um that's something that i actually do with some of my athletes now and and we kind of call it between like an alternating tempo where they'll do um maybe uh a mile or two at 10k pace or usually about a Mm -hmm. mile at 10k pace and then a mile or two at marathon pace and alternate between those two and it sounds like it's a very similar workout um Mm -hmm. have you done a workout like that yet or is that still yet to come
1: I have not done one yet. Uh, I've only done two workouts in this new training system so far and it's been just broken up, just temple run, not really pace change too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like three by 15 minutes uh, so far with uh, just a minute rest, so like very little recovery but just getting some time in the legs. Right, right. Previously, I've done like mixed workouts where I've done like a three-mile tempo run and then some quarters on the track to get a little speed and then back to the tempo run and then back to the Mm -hmm. track. So mixed workouts, I I always enjoy just because it's kind of a change of pace and I come off faster in in one workout than or faster in the tempo after doing track stuff and then faster in track after doing tempo. Mm
0: -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's talk about how you've structured your training in like the yearly or two year cycles. Um, because I know, you know, one of the things that it can be really tough to do, especially as an, as an elite as yourself, who primarily most of your income is going to come from the races that you run. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, uh, restrain yourself from running a marathon every couple, because obviously you, you're doing 26 mile runs, uh, yeah. you know, every couple weeks. So you could go and do a marathon. Um, you know, how do you restrain yourself from running one every two or three months?
1: Uh, well, I've actually approached my sponsors, which is Adidas, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I asked them, like, well, after New York was canceled, what do you guys think uh, about me going and doing, um, I think it was uh, Pittsburgh Marathon was the next week, or okay. uh, Philadelphia Marathon, one of those in Pennsylvania, and uh, I think the prize money was like a couple thousand for the win, and then coming back a few weeks wh- later and then doing like CIM in Honolulu, see how that like, um, you know, a couple of races like that just kind of make some money and, you know, replace the marathon that I missed. Mm-hmm. And came back to me and just said, how about you just focus on one marathon at a time? so since they're basically the ones that are paying most of the bills right now, then to do what they would prefer right yeah. now. And then I always feel like I could handle like three to four marathons, good marathons a year. So I've been doing three the past couple of years at a time and uh, well, three a year. And so just trying to space them out like five, six months apart, mm-hmm. kind of seeing how they, uh, they play out.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good that you have the, the, uh, help of your sponsor who they're not, you know, obviously they're, they're a great sponsor for you. They're not, you know, they're looking out for your being, and, and, and instead mm-hmm. of saying, well, you know, we don't really care, do whatever you want to do. You know, they're, they're right. there to support you and, and realize that New York City was a, uh, a catastrophe and something that wasn't really planned. And so they're obviously, they're, they're there to support you. So that, that's obviously great. Um, yeah. So let's talk about how you structure your training in, uh, in the yearly kind of cycle. Do you pretty much just go from one marathon segment to another, or are there periods in training in, in between those where you try to get in some different type of training where you're doing something, maybe some speed development or, or things like that?
1: Yeah. The past couple of years, I have like uh, thrown a, like a track season in there when I uh, lowered my 10K PR down to 2830 and then uh, just basically having other stints where I'm just solely basing like two months on just running as much as possible, no workouts, no like um, races on the calendar, just going out and, you know, just getting miles in my leg and miles in my legs and just basically getting base work, getting some speed work, and then um, focusing on the marathon like 13 weeks out, 10 to 13 weeks out.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that's something that we do with a lot of the athletes that we work with is try to put them through different... Segments so that way they're not just training for the marathon after you know over and over and over. Um, have you feel like you've ever gotten into that rut where you feel like you just jumped from one to another and then never had a chance to, to work on anything different? And were the results uh stagnant because of that, or, or maybe that hasn't happened yet?
1: No, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, when I every single time like I've gone to a marathon, like right after um, usually when I spaced them out pretty close, like within uh two to three months, it's basically because like the first marathon went poorly and I knew I had the training under me, I just didn't get the right day or didn't execute correctly. So mm-hmm. I actually went into the next one. This is when I ran my uh PR two eleven in Houston. Basically two months after uh I ran bad in Chicago, I went to Houston and basically just started training like I was a half marathon or yeah, half marathoner doing like faster type stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had the base work in me before Chicago and did a lot of half marathon shorter, faster stuff and then uh ran a personal best in uh, Houston,
0: right, right. Yeah, I mean, I remember that race because I, I think, if I remember correctly, you weren't you were just there to pace a teammate, correct?
1: Yes, I was a, supposed to be a rabbit through twenty five k, which I did, and then uh, ended up slowing down and then picking it back up and finishing second in that race.
0: <laughs> That's definitely a unique way to, to to go about it. Definitely a little unconventional, but definitely worked yeah. for you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, actually, speaking of, and this is something that I I didn't kind of prepare you for behan- uh prepare you for beforehand but um, you know I think one of the, the your strengths at least that I've noticed in, in your racing is that you pretty you've always have a very calm uh, attitude about the race like it doesn't seem like you get too worked up about the pressure especially at these big races which can happen to a lot of people. Um, you know how do you approach these races mentally when obviously there's a lot on the line I mean obviously you're, you're shooting for this actually goes back to the original uh, kind of things we were talking about with you know you're shooting for a monster PR. Um, you know, it's a big event like Boston, New York. I mean, there's a lot of hoopla. You're in the elite mm-hmm. athlete tents and all that. The stuff uh, financially, there's a lot resting on the uh, the race. Um, you know, how do you uh, kind of put yourself in that mental frame where, uh, at least to, from my perspective, you, you handle the pressure well?
1: Yeah, a lot of the times, like when I go into those big marathons, like I usually have like the, the big guys there, the uh, top competition, like Meb and Ryan Hall and Abdi. Like they're usually going to the majors as well, so. I go into it thinking like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, race these guys. I try to like say, okay, if I can beat these guys, I'm going to have like the a great day, sort of thing. And um, but I don't put any pressure on myself. I actually kind of undersell myself, like thinking, okay, well, going into this race, these guys are most likely going to beat me. But if they have an off day, I could probably catch them. So there's really no pressure if they do beat me, and mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to or whatever. Right. Right. Um, other than that just going into the races, pretty calm because I like confident and like, usually confident that I've uh, done the right amount of training for it and everything. Mm-hmm.
0: No it makes a lot of sense and, and one of the reasons I thought it was unique um, and actually this is probably what I was trying to ask in the first place uh, back in the original question about shooting for such a big PR is that most runners they go into a race with like a, a good goal or like a great goal a good goal and then a uh, uh, you know I'd be happy with this type of race yeah um, and obviously you're just going in with the the great goal and saying I'm going for it you know yeah. um, do you feel like you still have those intermediary goals or is it just all let's do what I can
1: uh, for the last few has been all just go for the uh, go for the goal you know just try to run a hit one out of the park and basically just run a you know a time that will get me noticed in the international type field and basically one of these days like it Probably could happen, but you know, just mm-hmm. gonna keep hammering it out and seeing if I could actually, you know, set to myself up to so actually get through that last 10k. Right, know?
0: right. No, absolutely. Um, have you felt in in the training that you've had um, difficulty with with the paces in the sense that you know you're really shooting for you know we briefly touched upon this, but you know you're really shooting for a big PR, which might be outside your your current fitness level, which is kind of how most people. Uh, think about training is you you train to your current fitness level and as you improve you keep increasing your paces but you're kind of doing it the opposite we're saying I'm gonna I want to run 207 208 209 I'm gonna train at those paces um, do you feel like that there's been a struggle at times um, like not being able to hit them and and those types of things
1: uh, yeah some I mean going into these races like I, like I said one of these days it's gonna you know magically happen and everything's gonna fall together perfectly so training like I'm a 207 208 marathoner like that's you know, it's just going to prepare me. Like, I'm going to feel great for the first half of the race, at least, and mm-hmm. just, uh, hopefully be able to put it together towards the end. So, yeah, that's basically the mentality just trying to like train like I'm there already, then like try to just execute on the day.
0: Right, right. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, how do you approach your nutrition and stuff uh, going into the races? How much do you work on it in training, uh, finding the right fuels? I mean, at this point, you've probably got a good routine down, I would imagine
1: yeah i don't uh do anything too complex. I just usually take uh like Gatorade and water during my race and some like uh power gel just uh kind of give myself some calories and some um caffeine so I don't drink coffee all that much even though I'm starting to kind of see how the uh how it affects my workouts and such so see if I can uh, adapt that to my racing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like nutrition-wise, just going into it, like I have um, bottles either set out. Or I have somebody driving with me for my long runs or long tempo runs, where they can uh, give me the fuel, and I can take it every <clears throat> three miles or five k, like they do in the race, and just mm-hmm. simulate that the entire time. So I'm, I'm always prepared for the race because I take it pretty much even when I'm not training for a marathon. Just get have the fuel, or even I need to carry it with me on a long run. I'll carry it for 28 miles in my hand, right? That uh, sort of thing.
0: Yeah. No, that's that that's uh, I mean I was just I was just curious if there was anything unique and I and I, I, I knew a little bit about your, your nutrition strategy, so I knew it was pretty simple or, or at least set. Yeah. Um, but that's that's always good to hear and confirm, especially for the audience that's listening, just different approaches that they can take. Um, yeah. I always like to ask athletes this question, kind of as the final wrap up question. Um, you know, if you could go back to yourself in maybe three, four or five years ago, um, and and you could tell yourself one thing, whether it be about training or your approach to racing or running or really anything. Um, what would it be?
1: Probably just like putting it in the time, not worrying too much about the workouts. Like one thing I did learn, like uh, while I was at Hansen's, like I was first couple years there, I was very aggressive, just trying to you know hit the workouts and run it as fast as possible, trying to keep up with uh, Brian Sell or Clint Barry and those. Top guys in the group, and you know, just you know, destroying my legs before like being able to you know capitalize on it during the race. Mm-hmm. So just basically just putting in the time, running based off feel, based off what I feel my legs, how how my legs feel that day, mm-hmm. sort of thing.
0: Right, right. Being a little bit more relaxed about not necessarily needing to hit every workout, and just kind of letting it, letting the fitness come as as you work out, and not getting so stressed about it. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, well, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, actually, before we go, um, I know we mentioned one of your sponsors, Adidas. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about your, your new training situation and, and uh, any other other sponsors that we've missed so far.
1: So yeah, I uh, have a new coach right now. His name is Jim Rodan. He uh, also coaches Jimmy Grabow, who uh, is from Long Beach, California, where we raced against each other in college. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I've known Jim Rodan since I was in high school. He was uh, coaching at the my the rival high school that I was at, and develop a good relationship after that and mm-hmm. just basically communicated back and forth. Whenever I, I go back to California, I train with his guys and, you know, just kind of, you know, you know, developed a good relationship. And now I'm going to be at more, um, on a consulting basis, like we met a few weeks ago and he mapped out a schedule for me for, uh, my, for training for my next marathon. And it's a little bit different in terms of, uh, what I've been doing, like, uh, but it's very similar to how I uh, was training the Hansen's program. Mm-hmm. So a uh, 10-day uh, week. So basically, uh, start of the week, you do a long run, then two distance days, then a workout, two distance days, workout, two distance days. And then on the 10th day, it's zero to six miles. So it's either off or re- recovery run. And so then uh, you cycle back into that and have a couple. Um, Phases as that progresses closer to the marathon in terms of how the workouts are run. Mm
0: -hmm. Actually, uh, if you don't mind, let's delve into that a little bit. If you if you have the time, Um, how does uh, what what about that ten day cycle? uh, Do you really? I know you're kind of just getting started in it, but obviously there's something about it that appeals to you since you're you're moving in that direction. Um, You know, what about that ten day cycle? Do you like?
1: Uh, The one thing I always like enjoyed about having like the two days between each like hard effort is that uh, the day after a long run or day after a hard workout, I can just go out there and just, you know, run, relax, run easy. And then when I'm feeling good, like the second day of recovery, I can actually, if I'm feeling good, just take off and run a faster pace and kind of fatigue myself. So going into a workout, I feel like I'm actually a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, just trying to simulate how my legs feel towards the end of a race rather toward, than towards the beginning of the race. Mm-hmm. And um, the... One thing that's like completely different, completely new, is having that tenth day where it's either off or six miles. I've never had something like that in my training schedule. where I can just like take a day to, you know, rest and sleep in and just go on a one easy run, of six miles. It's pretty, uh, pretty nice. I look forward to, uh, you know, being able to relax a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think that's uh, a trend that you see athletes get into as they get uh, wiser or more experienced in their training is is paying more attention to that recovery aspect. Um, I know mm-hmm. Ryan Hall that kind of famously, you know, is taking every seventh day off on Sunday. Um, right. and, um, and obviously it's something that allows the body to fully recover. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, how you feel off that, especially moving into the spring when, when you start kind of really start the full marathon training. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so Nick, how can, uh, how can, uh, our audience that that's listening to this interview, how can they follow you? Do you have a blog? Let's, let's talk, let's give them some ways to, uh, to keep up with you.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I have my running profile on teamusaarizona.org, it's the uh, association I'm, I'm involved with here in Flagstaff. And then I have a blog on runningtimes.com, I actually forget what it's called.
0: That's okay. What we'll do is we'll link, we'll link it up for you. So for people that, are, um, that want to follow Nick's blog, um, if you visit runnersconnect.net slash rc17, um, we'll have a link at the bottom of the post and it'll link to Nick's blog on running times.
1: Perfect. And then yeah, then that just uh, sometimes I oh yeah, I have a Twitter handle just my name Nick Arseniaga, and all right. then uh, Facebook as well. Okay, Nick well we'll Arsignaga. link up
0: all four of those for for people if they want to visit those resources and um and and follow Nick and and I suggest you you follow him. I mean he he's a great great runner obviously, and, and we've learned a lot from him today obviously, but um, I think big things are ahead for him, and I'm excited to see. I I think we're all excited to see after watching this interview, uh, you know, for you to pop out that 207 208. And uh, and put yeah. your, put yourself out there on the international scene. I mean, I think it's uh, it's awesome.
1: That sounds good. Thank you, man.
0: No problem. Thanks, Nick, for for taking the time and uh, and best of luck with your training this this uh, this spring.
1: Thanks.